The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Silence Your Phones, your movie review podcast found exclusively on the network at BICBP-radio.com. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, and I'm joined, as always, by Sean Fritz. Sean, dude, um, I woke up this morning, had a little itch on my shoulder. It's like, what the hell is this? feels like a little growth under my skin. Hoping you don't know what I'm talking about. Hoping you're not finding the same. I woke up and I wrote in a notebook. I drew pictures and I freaked everybody else out. I developed a bit of a stutter and I mean, I've cured <laughs> myself of this, of said stutter, but it, it was a weird morning. Let's just say that. Weird, weird morning. Still COVID free though. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, I'm freshly back from, no, tomorrow as, as this is recorded, uh, yeah. as this is released tomorrow, <laughs> I'll be home. I'll be home for, uh, from a work trip, so fingers crossed that Sean Fritz crossed. is COVID free. But where I, are you going? Uh, or where have you been? Where, where am I currently? Uh, to to speak in uh, current future parlance tense, whatever the word is. <laughs> um, we record these in advance, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh, but in these, in these in these trying times, you have to. You don't know if the next day is going to be Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. Yeah, this is not a posthumous episode. At least, fingers <laughs> crossed. Oh jeez, <laughs> good God, that'd be so dark. Oh man, you could play this at my funeral. This is not a posthumous episode. Cut two, <laughs> it, lying in a casket, mouth open, saran wrap in my mouth, guacamole in it, chips beside it. That's how I want to go. <laughs> and I'm really trying to convince your mom, like, he wanted me to play this episode. I'm trying to tell you. Yes, it's She's okay, like, no, mom. You're, you're not playing. Silence your phones. Yeah, you tell Tracy at, Fritz. At the funeral. <laughs> you tell Tracy Fritz, say, hey, it's all right. <laughs> oh, man. She so would, where, where are you? She would where are you coming from? She would understand it because I have a very sick sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> so um, as it is, uh, I am currently in New Hampshire. Hmm. and uh, It could you. be cold. It could be mild. Well, the weather, I checked the weather, weather in the past, which is, as we're recording, still in the past, but for the future, which is the current past, as you're listening to this. In which we're <laughs> speaking in present tense. Yes, this is like inception and a half. <laughs> uh, the uh, It's supposed to be sunny, and um, I'll give you a full report after the break. No, uh, it's supposed to, <laughs> as of right now, it's supposed to be sunny. And just cold as f. So I will be dressed appropriately, warm. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's not the kind of snow I got Oof. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. When you when you told me that it was snowing and that your internet was uh, questionable, I was like, ugh, man, that's yeah. Time to put your house on the market. It's annoying sometimes because it depends on like if we're getting higher winds. Because I've noticed that our our line, our cable line, it it, it kind of runs from the house and to the the line in the back, right? 
And so it goes across our garage, and our garage just has this little stick that holds it in place. Well, it's been flapping around outside there now, so something's loose back there. They're going to have to fix that up when it gets crazy weather. That's on the pole? Uh, yeah. Oh, that, that's not, it's not a thing that's attached to your house? It's... It comes from our house to oh, where it goes out to the yeah to the, the uh, main providers, line. yeah quick, uh, spot. Yeah, that's that's definitely on them. And they'll even if you try to do it so that it doesn't, you know, screw up anymore. They're like, yeah, that's destruction of property. You're gonna have to pay for a new. Oh, I'm not pole. touching any of that, dude. <laughs> you never not going to near any of that. Pole? Never. Oh, no well. thanks. I'm not a heights guy. Me neither. But it was always cool to be like, oh, there's a telephone pole. I wonder what's up there. I mean, Maybe. we could just watch the burbs again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, dude. Um, no, dude, the movie we watched is definitely not the burbs. Uh, you and I had not seen this. We're going to get into it right now because uh, it, it's... Um, I'm I'm actually itching to talk about this. I, when I finished it, I was like, just like... Like on your back, itching? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Had to, you know, dig that shit out. Uh, and I was going to tell you, dude, if you did find one of those, I might throw you down and bite your back. So we'll see. Sign me up for two of those. <laughs> we're uh, we're obviously talking about. I say obviously, like just mm-hmm. by those references, people should know if we hadn't already told them what we're watching. We could be talking about that fi- that episode of the X Files where the alien leeches were. They had to put two of them in the people's necks. Oh, remember that? That was Ooh. gross. Yes, that's yeah understatement. Um, yeah, this week we are talking about 2004 remake of the classic The Manchurian Candidate. When I sleep, I dream. I don't want to dream. <sighs> Something happened out there in the desert that night during that mission, and it's not what we thought it was, and it happened on my watch. We've been down this road with you before, yes? No, no, sir. Not this road. Congressman! Congressman Shaw! Sergeant Shaw, you ever dream about Kuwait? Captain Marco! How much do you actually know about your friend? I served under him. He was a good man. That's what the neighbors always say about serial killers. Somebody put an implant inside me. I got a good feeling they put one in you, too. You need to get help, Ben. I'm not crazy, Shaw. Raymond, this is J.B. Johnston of Manchurian Global. We're strong supporters. At a flick of a switch, we can adjust character, change personality. These are not supposed to exist. Raymond Prentice, Shaw. Listen. This is a coup. This is rich people funding bad science to put a sleeper in the White House. Among the shareholders in Manchurian Global, you would find former presidents, supposed kings. Yeah, I get it. They're big. They're huge. And you bring me rumors and conjecture. I started with nightmares. Rumors, conjectures. That's a giant leap forward. Somebody got into our heads. Neurons got 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 exposed and circuits got rewired. I think you should leave. <gasps> What are you doing? I gotta find out what's gonna happen, where it's gonna happen. He's delusional. You watch where you going! You swore to me that this was fail-safe. No leaks, no glitches. I will do whatever is necessary to protect my son. We're gonna stop this and take them out. You don't think they factored you in? Hello, Captain. Do you remember me?
Believe me. Help me. Don't shoot me. Uh, I had. Have you ever? Did you know much about this? Like in terms of what the plot or the idea was initially? Yes, actually, uh, I mentioned on when we first started doing this uh, on probably our first or second episode that I do listen to another movie review podcast, and mm-hmm. we are still completely different from what they do in terms of their format. They also have three plus people, and mm-hmm. uh, we. I, I I really listened to that one. I, I had been, and I still do, but I also like to keep tabs on the movies that they cover so that we don't do the same ones and therefore so that their ideas don't influence my ideas. Gotcha. However, probably within the last four months, they did do the original and the remake of the Manchurian Candidate. So I do have a, and it is a spoiler filled uh, thing. Uh, show. Are they the kind of podcast that literally breaks down scene by scenes and then this yeah. happened next? No, and then they, this happened they, next. they kind of okay. talk about, they, they jump around in terms of, they, they don't have a format as far as like we do where we talk about the plot, the, the actors Break it and down such. each time. They okay. talk about the story as a whole, how things could be different. Uh, at least one of them has a film degree. So... They, and, and he's also they're they're very pretentious in their in their critique of a lot of things, especially <laughs> him. Um, but it's it, it's good to see that perspective too. I think, but yeah. I think we have a you know a good enough. Um, we're, we're good too. We're all right. We're we're, we're you know I mean f, you know f them no uh, we have no, like five people listening to us. We're good. Yeah, they're they're a very good podcast. I've listened to them for a couple nice. of years now. But I, I yes, short answer yes, I I have. I do know the general, but I listen to so much audio and have so many conversations with work as of late that there are a lot of things that if I don't write it down, I won't remember. And so I knew the broad strokes and I really honestly paid more attention to the original and how that went. Which is what I knew. Yeah. Like I knew the storyline, the somewhat of the plot of the original um, and I had never seen the remake. I just assumed it was kind of like the original. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot that that kind of follows the beats. But there, it this does its own thing, apparently. Um, and it was, uh, it was quite a, it was, you know what this movie was? This movie gave me that kind of heightened, like almost uncomfortable anxiety that Uncut Gems did. But just not mm-hmm. on, like Uncut Gems was like on, like, like, on speed right whereas this was kind of a slower burn but it still i had such anxiety in certain parts of this film that and i remember um i was watching it in the morning uh yesterday morning and you know aaron got up maybe two-thirds through the movie and i you know so i paused it so she could you know get up and start taking the dogs out real quick cook up some breakfast and then when i where i paused it was at a scene where i was just kind of like like what the the hell's just happened right now and so i was just living with this feeling for a while before i could go back and resolve it and keep going i is so i just kind of reminded me of that i just couldn't i didn't realize how like anxiety inducing some pieces of this were and how like really uh crazy so let's get into it dude let's get into the plot and 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 talk about you know what this movie's about so this, there's a lot to unpack here. So, <laughs> the idea here is there is a a, a platoon of guys right uh, in the in the army during the Kuwait War or in Kuwait during the Iraq War. Yeah, ninety one was it? Ninety one. Yeah. So that's, and, that's right uh, the time. Denzel Washington is their their leader. Uh, it's a squadron of guys. Um, 
saw Anthony Mackie, I was like, oh, Falcon, check him out. Yep. Super young, dude. Young. This is 2004. Um, I went the, so the second I saw him, I was like, oh, look, he's not in the army. His real name's Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, uh, Leif Schreiber, I'm a, I'm a fan of him. His, I think he's a really good actor. So I saw him and I was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But immediately the way they portray this character, like the second you see him and the way the people react to him is that he's this kind of almost shell-shocked guy like he's been dealing with stuff out there that he wasn't expecting to deal with which we know a lot of guys had to deal with that out there so uh you could see this in him there was this kind of like he was out of it uh immediately you see this um they come under attack and we on we start seeing people you know that they're they're fighting them off we see that there's insurgents coming in and immediately denzel's character gets knocked out Mm -hmm. Flash forward, now it's 2004, and, uh, right, I think it's 2004, it's present day. Yeah. In terms of when they filmed it. And This film came out in 2004. Yeah, and Denzel's not in service anymore, um, but he's talking immediately to this Boy Scout troop. Well, they kind of played, they they were very cloak and dagger with that part of it. Yes. They're like, is he part of the army, is he not? I mean, he's showing up in in his dress uniform and talking to various groups. And it's in this weird, weird kind of role. It's not like he's an active service. It's like he's an advocate, but he's something a, like he's that. not he's still officially part of the, the service. I think he was in the was it the army, did they say? Yeah. Yeah, and, and he's kind I of so. like in this gray area stateside where he's like a like an advocate, I guess is the best way that I could describe it. Yeah. And when he's talking to these Boy Scouts, he's talking about what happened that day. And he talked about how Leif Schreiber's character saved them all. Two of their guys had been killed. Uh, but that Leif Schreiber's character had won the uh, Medal of Honor, mm-hmm. one of the most prestigious medals there is, you know, in, in American military. Um, is that above the Purple Heart? Is that considered like above the Purple Heart or is Purple Heart considered above that? Do you know? Uh, I think the Purple Heart. Well, I don't know. I'm just I'm not okay. even going to speculate because that would be like a giant disrespectful statement no yeah, matter what i say yeah. unintentionally to anyone and it might served or won any of those yeah and i'm not trying to disrespect it either saying that one has to be better than the other at all but i th- they did make this that the medal of honor was the like these the most prestigious like this is the medal that all soldiers hope to get presented apparently there had been however many millions of people who have served and, and only 900 and something of these have been given out mm-hmm. so far. Uh, so it is a pretty prestigious award. Um, so the, what we learn is that, you know, Leif Schreiber won this thing. And as the story continues, we also find out Leif Schreiber comes from a line of, of it's a, it's a political family, a big, it's, it's almost a dynasty, right? His dad was a Congressman who died. His mom is now a Congressman or Senator. I can't remember which, um, congresswoman or senator and he is now she's pushing to have him nominated to be the vice pres- next vice president uh, presidential nominee so what we find out now is we're in the middle of an election year you know these these uh, the republicans and the democrats are holding their conventions and pushing who they want to have as their their president uh, nominee and the and the and the uh you know, vice president. So Leif Schreiber's character is being pushed because he's been this war hero since they came back. However, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Denzel Washington starts having interactions with uh, some other soldiers. There was another soldier that was a part of that platoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff, that had taken Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, with a 
brief cameo. Always great to see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got so during their interaction, we find out that there was he's having these weird dreams and that, you know, a lot of what he's seeing isn't making sense. You know, he's realizing his memories don't feel like real memories and it's all real cryptic and just strange. And Denzel initially kind of plays it off. Like you need to get some help, but we find out he's dealing with the same thing. Like he's been dealing with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And so the story starts to unfold that there's something that's not right here that. So for some reason they're having these dreams about what happened which looked like more like science experiments instead of actual, you know, combat. And so that's the story, right? And then we find out that there is all this covert shit going on. There's this company. It's a privately owned company called Manchurian Global that's kind of got its hands in all kinds of stuff, technology, bio-warfare, politics, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. And it just comes – I mean – this is a, this is what we do. We talk about the story. So, spoiler alert: if you've not seen it, it's two thousand four. This is what this is basically what happens: is Leif Schreiber's mother is a, is basically working with them, and this big giant corporation has worked has figured out how to start doing things in terms of like, yeah, it's bio warfare, right? Like they're brainwashing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically it's just like that. And she took him. Turns out that she yeah. she's either. With them, I mean, they're she's their biggest. Um, yeah, she gets their, the most of her funding for fifteen of her twenty years after taking over her husband's seat in Congress. Which that sounded nefarious too, right? Because it was all this weirdness. The way Leif Schreiber uh, made it seem in the movie was that it was this kind of weird thing that when he died, she just took it right over, almost like in a cold way. Well, the 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 the, the legal way for that to happen is that the governor of that state appoints the new, the person to take over the rest of that term. Yeah. So, but she held on to it, which I think sometimes um, they'll do as uh, I think, didn't John McCain's wife do that when he died recently? I think so. Right. For however long the rest of the if, term if it's was a short term, I think they, something that like that might be a thing, but I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a pundit. I really don't yeah, know. I need Al Franken to tell. Well, not anymore. Al Franken's been canceled. <laughs> um, He's the. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we find out that she's been a part of this group uh, working with them, and she basically offered up her son to be an experiment in which they would mind control him whenever they needed to, get him into the vice presidency with the idea of taking out the presidential hopeful and making him president, mm-hmm. which in turn would make the president, it would be the first time a president was 100% controlled by a private group. Mm-hmm. This is 2004. Think about the comments. There was so much commentary in this thing as I was watching it and how, how scary it is that it was like, this has already been happening. Like they, they're talking about it here, but you're talking about co- corporations and businesses having influence in politics. Um, I can tell you though, that it's not a hundred percent accurate. Uh, and, and here's the reason uh, is I watched I, there's a there's a YouTube um, channel that I watch. It's called Legal Eagle and you mm-hmm. would love it. It's this guy who's in his like it's a, a lawyer in D.C. He's in he's probably in his like mid to late 30s, maybe early 40s because he's a lawyer and he's in D.C. He's pretty successful. Mm-hmm. And and he actually when when Trump had the coronavirus and, you know, he was just speculating because he doesn't really like Trump. It's very well known. Yeah. You could tell by like any sentence he says. Uh, but, okay. But he's like, what happens if Trump 
there's a whole lot of ifs that have, didn't come true here. What happens if Trump doesn't win the or does win the election? I mean, mm-hmm. and there's about 323 million minus one or two people that think that that didn't happen. There's yeah. only one or two that think it did happen that he did win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what if he does win the election? But what if he would succumb to COVID before inauguration? Yeah, and it doesn't immediately go to the vice president at that point. No, right? I think the Republican committee has to decide how they want to move. Don't they? Do they elect somebody, or I think there's another election, or, or they decide that the this guy will do it, and then they do a whole new election? I'm I'm pretty sure that's wow. What, it's a couple months ago that I watched it because interesting. It was like at least a month or two ago, so it's I don't recall the exact, but it's not just next in line because that president and vice president hasn't been sworn in yet so you voted for this president this person to be president and this person to be vice president yeah. they don't just usurp that you know step next in line interesting it's kind of like getting left at the altar the would best it be man the doesn't side just the... assume the groom's role would it now say the the guy who the they chose as their vice president running mate was not like the guy who came up with the second most votes during that primary, would the person with the second most votes just technically get it? I don't remember. And then are they stuck with this guy as a vice president or do they have to pick their own? That's a very interesting thing. There's a lot of nuances in in politics. These little what ifs, then you have to do this. And there's all these, you know. I think, you know um, what I think it is? I think every state decides because the states decide who won that state and then the electoral college. Uh, I think it might defer to that. And so that's interesting. If, and, and they have to get a certain percentage. All that is outside of my wheelhouse. I yeah, designed phone here, systems. Dude. I mean, we could bring Erin in here. She's she's really well-versed in politics and political science, but You'd nah, have to do not, research not to be 100% sure on that because there's... Not me. I mean, check out Legal Eagle. He talks about it. There you go. There you go. There, that, that's what we tell our... Uh, nothing we say here could be held accountable. Uh, just go check out Legal Eagle. Yeah. Idiots. LLC. <laughs> Get your answers that's there. Us. Yeah. The, exactly. So what did you think about this plot, dude? The overall story and the way the, the story went from beginning to end. Like, how did, how Again, you and I, this is our first time both of us seeing this. How, how did you take this? So the story was really solid, very engaging. Um, it was dense, and you had to pay attention. But oh, yeah. the way they... Oh. Yeah, I was not on my phone mm-hmm. at all on this movie. Sometimes I'll watch movies and it starts to kind of lull and I and it becomes this thing where I can check something real quick and, and still know what's happening. Not this, dude. I was in. I was in like Uncut Gems. I was in. Yeah, you have to be with some of these. And, and I mean, Office Space, yeah, probably not. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> this one, Contagion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the story was solid. It was, it was very engaging. The, I mean, the characters were the, the way that they unfolded everything it was just the continuity was really good really solid mm-hmm. and and you know it was just very i want to say it was believable because it was talking about politicians being controlled by corporations which when have we ever seen that before <laughs> yeah fiction this must be fiction <laughs> well it is based on a fictitious or a fictional novel which is the commentary on cult real life real i life, assume, cold you know? war um, yeah, it's become problematic lately because it's been proven that he kind of stole a lot of stuff from oh wow really older source material, but not like wow. ideas, but like long passages, things that would get you a zero on a term paper. Wow, really? Ooh, I gotta yeah, look, that kind of stuff. I look into that. 
Um, yeah, I agree with you. I thought this this was very solid in terms of the way the story played out. What I did like, I don't know if you noticed this, but I started to notice it throughout, was that there we, we would do times where we whatever scene we're ending, we'd go to another one, but it would be maybe a minute, not even, and then come back to it. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like a quick check-in, like this is happening right now. You should know this, and then boom, back to this. Yeah, they, they correlate um, very well. Like when they were reciting their script of, Raymond Shaw is the, probably the most blah, 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 blah. Oh, that was amazing, dude. That was like cult um, level type stuff. Yeah, it was intense, dude. It was quite an intense, uh, intense film. Um, and I do. I like the way it, 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 it kind of started to come together because at the beginning of it, again, I, I kind of knew what the story was about, but I didn't know. Like, I didn't realize. I thought Denzel Washington was going to be the character that was supposed to be the Manchurian candidate. That's, that's um, not enough really range for, for Denzel, though. I mean, he's got to be I had, everything. Like, yeah, I I had no clue what I was getting into at that point. And again, didn't wasn't expecting anything to do with the military. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't expecting any of this piece of, at least not the, you know, the, the, it felt real. It was like the Gulf War. I remember this. I, it, it, it's a, it's a reality. So it became almost like this, what's happening. Okay. I mean, I know something's happening here and then you start to see how it happens. Um, and it is, it's, it's kind of a scary thing. Uh, definitely this, this would be considered a thriller, right? Oh, I would say so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and again, I like the way you know a lot of the characters started coming into the film. The one of the things I hated though, and and I, when I say hate, I mean it in a good way because it was executed very well. Uh, the storytelling was. I started getting to a point where I didn't trust anybody. I just kept going like, okay, that person's working with the bad guys. Okay, this person's working. You know what I mean? Like, I really was. I was like, okay, what the hell, dude? Don't talk to this lady. She's gonna kill you. <laughs> like, it was. Uh, but again, it's because it was done well and the story was told and and and, and unfolded in in such a really really you know masterful way. Oh, yeah. I think I, I was I was uh, very impressed with the way the story was told. Except, oh boy, <laughs> the end. The end felt a little too ambiguous. Like it felt like it, it didn't wrap up enough for me. You know what I mean? It felt like it was super rushed almost. And I say that only because, um, again, if you've not seen this, like why are you even listening to this? You know we're going to talk about this stuff and I'm talking to you people at home. Uh, but to Sean, only because there's the scene where they're in the school and um, – you know, Schreiber's character had already killed the senator uh, and the daughter. And, you know, basically Denzel's getting in touch with him. The FBI's there and says, listen, he can go in and talk to him. It's clean. They go in there. They're sitting there talking to each other. And you're like, holy crap, you know, Lee Schreiber's actually going to listen to him. Something's going to they're going to go down. But then he starts talking like he's all robotic again. And he's like, what do you think? They didn't have this planned. And all of a sudden the phone goes off. Like this whole thing plays out. And I'm just like, what? You don't think. And that... then. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. <laughs> and then they're at the, the convention. Right. And obviously he doesn't do what he's supposed to do. And you're like, holy shit. He's just flipping script. He's not doing this. And then he's, he's looking up at Denzel like they're doing it knowingly. And I'm like, what the hell did they talk about in that classroom? Like, how did the, what what happened here? How why did this change all of a sudden? And that was never explained. You don't think that that was so. So um, let's go back to the beginning of the movie where Denzel is, you know, he's he's uh, Al Melvin. It's like, hey, I'm having mm -hmm. these crazy dreams. Check out my notebook. It's looks mm -hmm. like I need a trapper keeper. 
uh, in a three ring binder because he's got stuff wedged in there. And then Denzel's having these dreams too of we find out the dreams are what really happened compared to yeah. what they are programmed to say when they're conscious or remember. Yeah. 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 Basically their, their suppressed memories are, are leaking mm-hmm. in. And in the school, uh, Liev Schreiber starts telling Denzel that he's starting to have dreams. So his programming, although they put that other implant in his head earlier in the movie, mm-hmm. very well done, by the way. Mm-hmm. Though, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, when they're sure. drilling into his brain, literally oh, God. into his brain, not just the skull, but like, and they pull the drill out and there's all that like dust from the, yeah. from the skull, from the brain or from the, um, from the, the bone matter bone. Yeah. But is it that his programming is starting to wear off as well because he's now having dreams and he's questioning everything. That's so that's there was the a few things it. that there was a few things I got at first. I thought maybe it changed because there was a point where he said, you know, um, and you could tell he's very emotional because it is hitting him. And I think you're right. I think maybe it, what he was starting, cause he did say he was having the dreams and he, then said did i kill the senator and what's her name that was the girl like he was in love with her like this was the love of his life too long according to her and but that shows like how he felt so when he realized he did that you know the tears started coming down his face Mm -hmm. and then he looked at denzel and he's like were we friends and and denzel says something along the lines of like we have a connection there's a connection that we're connected so i thought maybe that had something to do with it but again it just didn't answer like they, they they didn't explain it at all one of the things I looked on because immediately after it was done, I was like, I got to look online. Like, did they answer this? Like, who? And the, I saw a lot of articles from back in the day when it first came out that did say that that ending was was a little less than is, um, you know, than what could be. Like, it, it left a lot to be desired because they could have taken some time to explain certain pieces. Because again, even the very, very, very end, bringing him back there and just laying the the picture down, it's a symbolic thing, mm-hmm. but. I felt like that we should that we should have had some more explanation. I don't know. I just wanted a little more at the end of it. Uh, but again, that's not to take anything away from the way the story played out. Like that's this was a such a an, an amazing story. I was just like, holy crap! Aaron sat down maybe with thirty minutes left in the movie and then just caught it from there on and was like, okay, I want to watch this mm-hmm. from the beginning. I'm like, oh yeah, you're gonna want to watch this. Well, I think the ending was you know he kept saying like in in. I guess in, in like a uh, like a tunnel vision type of way, like he was, and, and we saw those flashes midway through the movie of him trying to escape while everyone's mm-hmm. being brainwashed in the movie theater next to a, you know next to the hallway, and he's saying, "If I could get to the ocean, I could get my men free," and like you said, it's a metaphor. He puts the picture in the medal of uh, what was it, the medal of honor? Medal of honor, yeah. yeah. He, because Shaw had given it to him, he says, "I don't want this," um, and he puts all that in the ocean. As because I think all of those men are dead at that point. And he puts he puts the picture yeah, in the Yeah, Every one of them's dead yeah. now. And he says if he can get to the ocean, they're all free. Like uh it's almost like people who have that um they have that thing about them. Uh and it could be a mental thing, it could be a um a dis not a disorder, but you know, like um uh like a like an Asperger's type thing or an autism thing where they have to do something from the beginning to the end in a very, mm-hmm. very clear cut way. Like if he can get that there to the ocean, I'm not saying that he is, you know, in, in that mindset, but, you know, through trauma and whatnot, he might be that need mm-hmm. to put the picture and the medal of honor in 
the ocean in the water, he can now move on and he can begin to recover himself. Yeah, there's definitely, the, I could totally see that. I was thinking in terms of when he was running and he was telling her, like, if he could do that, it was just this kind of thing of, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like, we knew the situation he was in, he didn't. Mm-hmm. But him, him being that way, it was like that was his. That's his only thing he could think. He can get if off I the could island. If I just do this, then we're going to be that's fine. That's the only yeah. hope in sight. You know, it's castaway. If he can get, if he can get off the island, then he can deliver yeah. this FedEx package. But the end is, you're right. The, you know, the the metaphor, the, just him setting them all free. Now they were free to kind of go off. That was good too. I just wish they would have just said, "This is why he did this," or "This is what happened." Um, but one of the things I read was that a lot of the belief is that Leif Schreiber's character again, was having dreams and, and saw that he killed a girlfriend. And when he realized he did, that was the emotion of that. Like the, the, it was enough because again, you know, when you have that kind of an intense emotion, something that's that heartbreaking, it's, um, it's catastrophic. It can do a lot to your, your mental health. Mm -hmm. And so that was enough for it to just totally shift off whatever it is they did to him. So that he just decided he was going to sacrifice himself and because he couldn't he didn't want to stay alive after having killed his you know the woman of his life, his dreams and take his mom with him <laughs> you know what i mean and meanwhile like i think that and the other piece was you know no matter what even though Denzel was programmed as well it was that connection that those two had was when he looked at him and gave him the okay like listen just go along with this kind of a thing that that's kind of where what shifted his programming. But to me, I just feel like you should have had that. I needed it explained. Maybe not everybody does, but that was my, that's my only piece with the plot was at the very end. I was like, ah, tell me what happened. I want to know. How about when Denzel, when he handed the phone to Denzel and, and she called on his programming and it's like, Oh yeah. shit. Like, cause he hadn't yeah. been, you know, called forth at that point. Mm-mm. No, that was crazy, dude. I, I was like, wow. And I love the way they do it, too. It's so creepy. It says that their title, then their title with the first name and last name, then first name, middle name, last name. It was almost, it was almost like they had to do it that way, and then boom, you're, you're in, you're done. And I love the way that we'll, we'll talk about that when we come into the other parts of the production of the film. Well, Anything else you want to say on the, on the plot? Yeah, so speaking to their programming and the title of the movie, uh, at the end, so I watched oh, this yeah. with the missus and, uh, and you know, when, when Denzel got the white light, you know, glowing upon him, uh, she just looked at me and went, Oh shit. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about to get real. But, yep. but then I said, at, as the credits were rolling, I was like, do you remember in Avengers infinity war when Tony Stark says to the winter soldier, Hey, Manchurian candidate, how are you doing? She's like, Oh, I didn't put that together. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. Why do you think they said yep. all those words in Winter Soldier? Like boxcar and, and homecoming yeah. and whatever. Yeah. We, we That might be a thing we'll, we'll start doing in the future is is uh, another piece of the show is kind of looking at how these movies have impacted pop culture. Because mm-hmm. that is, that's, that's interesting. Um, all right, let's get into the cast. Uh, what a cast. <laughs> What a cast, dude. Uh, I didn't realize we had all of these people in this movie. I really didn't. I, when, when I saw the, the opening credits, I was like, holy cow, this is going to be good. Because all I see is Denzel on the cover. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like a, it, it's it's kind of weird because it's just like a young Denzel. And until you see the movie, you don't get it. It's almost like a duality of man type thing where it's got the light on one half and mm-hmm. then the everyday lighting on the other half. 
Yeah. Well, when I looked at that after the after having seen the movie, I'm like, oh, that's him coming out of programming or is it him back going into reality, into programming. or vice versa? Right. Depends on how you read. Or, or left to right, right to left. Brain. One is and what you know. He's programmed. Yep. Type thing. I'm I'm wildly moving yep. my hands all over the place. You're you're voguing. You're I voguing on am, video. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but dude, come on, Denzel Washington, one of the major hitters in Hollywood. This dude, like I mean. I don't think he's serious. Has he ever turned in a bad role? Maybe, but not to my recent knowledge at all. Like everything I've ever seen this guy in, he just destroys. And this was no joke, right? At first, he just kind of comes across as uh, the military guy. You know, he's got the cigar in his mouth while he's talking out of the side of his mouth. And then, then he's this kind of decorated soldier. He's well put together. And then we start to see that he has issues too. So much so, like, you know, like he starts to get very paranoid through the film. There's um, there's a lot of emotion that he has to work through in the film. There's, I mean, he's got different range. We're talking anger, fear, um, confusion. You know what I mean? Comple- completely like when, when he gets uh, the electroshock therapy, mm. just kind of like completely out of like, you know what I mean? Like spaced. Dude, this guy never. You're right. I don't know. I don't. If he ever has, it has to be like his first or second role ever because this guy. I mean, since his earlier roles has been a killer on screen. So let's 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 clarify that statement. Denzel probably has never turned in a bad uh, a bad uh, performance. He might have been in a bad movie. I heard Book of Eli was <laughs> questionable at best. Oh, I've never seen I, that. Me neither, and I'm okay with that. But. It's also like Robert Duvall. He's been in some dog shit movies. But mm-hmm. Robert Duvall, you, you can't go wrong with Robert Duvall. Are you, so I'm looking at Denzel's uh, filmography here. So his first few movies I'm not familiar with. His one, two, three, four, five, six movies I'm not familiar with. His seventh, Glory, that's where I'm more familiar with him. All right, movie. Um, but then again, <laughs> when you start looking at everything else, Mo Better Blues, I remember that. Uh, Ricochet. Definitely remember that film, Malcolm X. I think that was one of the ones that, that like, like a big, put him in the stratosphere. Yeah, he's like he is leading man material from that point forward. Yep. Then they pair him with uh, Julia Roberts for the Pelican Brief. Mm-hmm. Um, Philadelphia, another monster hit with Tom Hanks. Right after that, there's a uh, lot of people in that movie that you're like, well, that's a Jonathan Demme movie, also. So is Manchurian mm-hmm. Candidate. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, but just just hit after hit, Devil in a Brute Blue Dress, Courage Under Fire, uh, Fallen. Fallen is oh, Fallen's great a good movie. movie. Yeah, that's what the we that's one we'll have to cover for sure, dude. Um, he got game. That was a big movie at the time. The Siege. Look at all these movies, dude. Bone Collector, The Hurricane, Remember the Titans, Training Day, John Q, Antoine Fisher, Man on Fire. I mean, and then we have Anturian Candidate. So during this time, he was just like hit after hit after hit like just monster Notice box the years, office you know from from um yeah you know, from two fallen, or three movies at a time fallen 98 he got game 98 the siege i don't know if you mentioned that but 98 bone yeah. collector and hurricane 99 remember the titans 2000 training day 01 john q02 antoine fisher 02 at a time 03 man on fire and manchurian candidate 04 then he takes a year off yeah, but dude, that's uh, it was like it was like every time you t- he was he was the rock back then. It was like every time you turn around, there was yeah, a movie the with him in it. Movie choices are not as, you know, they're not as um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Well thought, prolific. You know, you know, uh, uh, 
they're not as uh, prestigious or well yeah, thought out. I agree. Or, you know, he doesn't say no to much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I gotcha. But for me, dude, Denzel in this in this role was there was so much range, so much to work with, and he just destroyed it. I mean, he killed it. He plays it. that perfect paranoid company man that is questioning but not out loud and hides for the most part hides it um i mean like when we see him buying stuff at the store and then you see his closet you know his first of all his walls like who has wall art that's just leaning on the top of the couch against the wall and then you see the open this guy yeah you see the open uh closet the pantry in the background that's just a cup of noodles it's like Elaine's closet. Which we see later. Film. Like Yeah. Yeah. Later we see why, right? Like later we're like, oh wow, this is that's, oh, why. that's crazier. Yeah. And right? the nodos that he keeps getting because he doesn't want to go to sleep because of the dreams and um yep. you know, it, it's like you see all the subtleties. They don't heavy hand it, they it's just there for you to see. It's like an Easter egg almost, but part of the story. It's very well done, very clever. Um and, and Denzel does a great job of framing himself anywhere that he needs to be to you know to he does research on his roles i would imagine he's he's not just that naturally like all over the place no the, this dude's amazing he's amazing in mm-hmm. this uh next we have meryl streep she plays senator eleanor prentice shaw dude mm. again another another just heavyweight meryl streep in this film was absolutely phenomenal commanding the screen uh, complete badass. Uh, totally made you. I mean, she p- made you feel like this is what politicians are. I mean, this is what a politician is. They're this cold. The beginning scene and, where she rolls in and says, "No, no, this is going to be your vice presidential uh, nomination, not that, not John Void of all people. Go figure. He's in the yeah, politics again." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she literally comes in and tells a room full of men they need to go fuck themselves. Tells, like just, that's all there's to she it. Tells the Secretary of State who did you notice who that was? No, who was Roger it? Roger Corman. Was it yeah. really? <laughs> I didn't yeah. Notice. <laughs> oh man. Uh uh but yeah, dude, she's it's it's uh I don't know. She, I, I felt it was great. She did a great job in it. I loved, you know, I, one of the scenes I loved was when she was meeting with those guys after she kind of went rogue and programmed her son and let loose her son. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you can't do that. And she's like, what the fuck happened to men anymore? You know, my dad mm-hmm. didn't ask for questions, you, you know, didn't ask permission. My father did this. And she's like, geez. I was like, wow. And she kills, man. Meryl just like, she's she's a fucking queen in this one she just takes over yeah and she plays the perfect i'm in charge you know i'm the i'm taking over the patriarchy as it were to use a Mm -hmm. current you know um what's the word uh button viewpoint um yeah yeah uh, movement which whatever more power to you um yeah the that's why it's called head of household on your taxes not man of the house on your taxes which (laughs) A tax historian, please tell me, was that ever a thing? Man of the house on your taxes, or was it just always? Head I don't know. That's interesting, right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I would be. I just like the details. I'm just curious, not for any other agenda other than I, w- I want to know <laughs> now that I say it out loud. Um, <laughs> I do that all the time. Like I'll say a phrase or say a word and be like, "Where did that ever come from?" And then I'm like, "Okay, now I got to learn mm-hmm. about this. Where did this phrase come from? Where did it originate?" Did you notice the? She takes control of him to the point of, like, did you notice that like? 
questionable scene yeah. toward the end where she's like yes. just about to play yes. a big one on him. And then it cut away in time because you knew it, it's, it was almost like, oh. Mm-hmm. And then is that why he kills her too? Because does that come in his dreams? He's just like, ugh. Because <laughs> we don't know how far it went, man. Mm-hmm. They cut away right when we saw that change, that look in her eyes. They changed and then uh, that lean in and it was just like, cut next yep, scene. I was you, like, oh, Jonathan shit. <laughs> <laughs> don't need to see that. But yeah, dude, when she can play a character like this and and just make it 100% believable mm-hmm. that she's one of these kind of powerhouse, Manipulative, you know, vindictive female uh, politicians. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but like, she plays a character like she does in Mamma Mia. You oh, know I what I mean? Go like, with Death Becomes Her. <laughs> or Death <laughs> Becomes Her. Like, think about it. Like, there's so much range in this woman again. It's like they decided we're going we're gonna to literally load this cast top heavy with some of the biggest heavy hitters um, to ever hit the screen at the time. And they certainly did. Yeah. Because uh, then we have Liev Schreiber, right? Liev Schreiber uh, coming coming off of I mean it's it's been a few years but Scream for me I feel like Scream was what propelled him right he had a couple roles before that but Scream was where he became a a household name yeah and and ironically I just watched that not long ago was it Scream or Scream Two mm-hmm. that he was in oh he was in both he he's in both he's in in the first one he's got a smaller role yeah. uh, and two he's in it a lot more yeah but I I think that that was probably where he really. Yeah, the first one he was just a cameo, and the second one he was. Yeah. But yeah, he. Uh, oh, he was also in Scream, three. Dude, he was also in Phantoms, yo. Yes, Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> Phantoms is a bomb movie, dude. I fucking love it. I do that too. Movie. It's it's great. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, dude, he's uh again for me. I think he's a good actor. He's got a subtle way of acting, though. There's not yeah. uh, it's not like it's it's not like it's um jaw dropping. But it's you're not enamored. It's what he needs to do. Yeah, you're not like, oh, this guy's amazing. But he, he's just he commands the screen in a different way than Meryl and Denzel. Yes, he plays off of every, like I'm just watching it. I'm like, this guy's doing such a good job for, you know, he's he's playing effectively. He's playing the straight man. He's playing like a yeah. background character in the foreground, you know, and he's playing off of these heavy hitters so well and so. I mean, he's ten years in. But he's doing such a good job, you know, and like yeah. even in like the X-Men movies where he played Sabretooth, a younger Sabretooth, you know, even, at, you know, and that's a couple of years after this, he's still mm-hmm. like, he's just like, you look at him, you're like, you're such a bastard. Like, you know, F you, like everything he does is believable and everything he does is probably very well thought out. Not, you know, he develops this character, which is what actors do. And, yeah. you know, he, he does a very good job of getting inside that character's head. Uh, to Yeah, for this character, it, it feels like this kind of guy that he's playing is somebody who his whole life, you know, because he's coming up in politics, so spotlight's always on him. And so his parents were probably like... You know, stand up straight, do this, do this, do this. So he's got he's got to be controlled at all times. And he is. He's very controlled a lot of the times, even when he's getting emotional, even when he's really realizing he murdered the love of his life. He's not breaking down. Mm. He's he's holding himself composed, except you you just can't help the fact that the tears are coming. He's always on is really what it comes down to. He has to be right. That expectation of him. Right, there was maybe a couple scenes where he had to let loose of that. One where he gets angry and tells them to get out or something like that, you know. And, and still and behind that was closed a, doors, though. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And it was it was uh and then again he has to play the public politician, which he turns it on mm-hmm. immediately and looks like a politician playing the part. He's got the smile, the wave, the you know, the the body language, the the energy the high energy of, of all of that. And it's you know, it just speaks to you know, you're shifting, you know, we've all done it where you're like, oh, I got to, you know, we're, we both do training at work and you're like, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to go into work. And you get there and you're like, all right, let's go, you know, turn on the happy face, the smile, you know, because, you know. Exactly. And, you the, you do, you become, you become that person. And, and then all of that stuff that you had before, you're we like, uh, you, I mean, it just doesn't matter anymore. You just got to do what you got to mm-hmm. do. Um. So, yeah, he was killer. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Voight. I mean. Again, we said this the last time we saw him in a role in the government. It was like these roles are made for him, or he's born to play these types he's of got roles. That look and the gravitas, and the—I mean, if it's a high school football coach, or if it's the Secretary of State and fighting robots, or if it's a yeah. congressman, you know, he's—he's he's got that same thing. He's got that room. He, he commands the room, and he's distinguished-looking, and he's—you know—he's Angelina Jolie's dad. I don't know if that has yeah. anything to do with it or not, but you know, <laughs> no, but the dude can act oh, and, yeah. and he's not in this too much, right? He's in the background for most of it. It's in the third act where he kind of comes out. Well, more and more in the, the second act where he comes to the foreground and he actually has a little bit long, you know, more dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, but he plays it well. Oh, yeah. He plays it when, you know, when he goes and confronts uh, Meryl Streep's character and, you know, lays it all out there and then basically says, you have this much time. That's it. You got 12 hours and he leaves. Mm-hmm. And it's just this kind of like, damn, this game, this guy is not joking. And it's just this way, the, the way he just kind of delivers that. And, and the, the almost dismissive way of, of dismissing her, where we've already been impressed by her power for him to come in and dismiss her that way makes you feel like, okay, who's this guy? What the fuck kind of balls does he have? <laughs> uh, unfortunately he met his end, right? One of the things I noticed, um, and this is a weird thing to say, but uh, I don't know if it's research and, or maybe something he heard and, or, or something for, you know, maybe it's just experience, but he gets drowned and he dies underwater, uh, uh, eyes wide open, mouth wide open. Mm-hmm. And so I was watching a true crime thing, like a, a, a docu-series or something, right? And somebody about, they were pulling this woman out of the water. And one of the things they were saying was she had been killed before she was in the water. She was, she hadn't been drowned. And the reason for that is when people drown, uh, almost all the time, their eyes are wide open and their mouths are wide open because they're, they're trying they're to get struggling. out and scream. And usually a lot of times their arms are, are, are splayed out as well. So when I saw him and I saw him, you know, his breathe his last breath, the last bubbles came up. And then that kind of look with the wide eyes and the wide mouth. And even, he's even got kind of like the veins on the side of the head because he'd been struggling. Mm-hmm. I was like. That's pretty good, man. He's he he's making it look like he just drowned. Well, and, and I think it's was that because the the body is tense at that moment as opposed to relax when you're yeah. when you're naturally dying. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. So um but yeah, you're right. Dude commands it almost almost always, man. Almost always. Uh you said it before, dude. Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright is one of these actors that you forget how enjoyable it is to watch him until you see him on the screen right because mm-hmm. he plays all different kinds of of characters in his movies oh, yeah. um and in this one man he made you feel bad for him do you know what i mean in that opening scene and how he just even when he just kind of turned away and just kind of went up against the wall that was just such a it was heartbreaking mm-hmm. when he told him to just just 
you know, and he's just trying to pick everything up and just trying to be, yeah, recollect himself. And yeah, he's, he is, he is unfortunately the actor that you never know his name. Oh, people are going to. Well, they should because he's in all the James Bond movies as, with Daniel Craig. He's also about to be playing the new uh, Commissioner Gordon in oh, really? the Batman Ooh. film coming out. Yes, so this is our new Commissioner Gordon. Uh, he's he's definitely going to be much more well known. If people already don't know him from Westworld, uh, Boardwalk Empire, you know some of these other films and stuff he's already been in. Um, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be known, dude. This dude's definitely going to be known. Uh, but yeah, dude, I I do. I every time I've seen him, I'm just like, oh, it's and, and I didn't help you know. I don't know his name off the top of my head. A lot of times, it's like, oh, hey, it's him. I like this guy. There's a there's um, a documentary about character actors such as him called it's that or it's called that guy from that thing. And I mentioned last <laughs> like in the last episode or two where mm-hmm. you know it's um you know hey I know that voice which is about voice actors. This is the same thing, but you know, but uh, um, for for character actors, uh, he also Chris uh, is uh, the voice of the of Uatu, the Watcher in the Marvel What If cartoon series that's coming out next year. Oh, that's coming out! Nice. He's, he's got a that's commanding cool voice for that. Very nice. Um, all right. So the 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 one who played the FBI agent that also had a day do- a day job as a cashier. I think that was covered the, by the at way. The, at the, at the, at the, could you imagine though? Like Times are you tough. already work. Yeah, are you already work <laughs> as an FBI agent. Your cover now is to work in an industry that typically sucks to have that kind of job because you always have like pain in the ass customers, and you're an FBI agent. Or was it this thing that they're like, oh, he's coming to the store. All right, get in there. You know, because who knew? Anytime he had to pop in, she had to be ready to be working, right? Well, so they were also, she must have just had the job. Well, they were also. They, she said when she fought, when it was discovered when she revealed that she was a an FBI agent. You know, after he discovered the mm-hmm. uh, camera in her bathroom, uh, it was basically she. She said, "I'm an FBI agent. We've been watching you for a long time." So they have a file on him. They know his schedule. So chances are he goes in and gets stuff on certain days of the week or certain hours of yeah. the day. And he doesn't seem to be one that just kind of goes at any other time. Like he probably very, does it at the very all, regimented. You know? Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, you know, for being a cashier and being on the same train to the same destination, you know a lot about this guy that he buys this, this, and this, and he has checks written on this bank. And yeah, that piece was strange. She, she was a little, a little much on she that. She doxed him with federal, federal tools. <laughs> <laughs> little much she didn't use twitter um, to dox him <laughs> she was okay i don't i mean i didn't feel like she was she wasn't uh uh you know her performance wasn't anything where i was just like ugh. you know she was pretty good i mean she was okay um she was a background again, character she, and, yeah and that served yeah. the plot and i think she did a good job of that uh, i mean she's yeah. very decorated as far as um her film career this was eight years into her film into her film career and oh, okay. her second movie with Denzel, so she was in John Q oh. in 2002. So, oh, is he? Is she the wife? Is is that John Q's uh, wife, Denise Archibald? I, I it's Probably. been forever since I watched that. And let me just click click a few times here to see. I love how Denzel has his own filmography link in Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> yes, she played Denzel's wife in that one. Yeah. Uh, Again, you know, she did. She 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 was a background that actually served the purpose for the film and did a good job at it. 
when she had to turn it on when she became this you know from this weird kind of a little over interested you know cashier to now we knew who she was so there was more of a uh, an officialness to her you know what i mean uh, there was more rigidity in what she was doing um she she played it off well i enjoy, i enjoyed that mm-hmm. uh now i don't know how to say her last name vera Far- farmiga yeah vera farmiga Farm- Far- she was in yes, the um, vera farmiga recent evil movies resident evil recent or is that um no was she let's click the link here and find out together i know she was in the conjuring she played oh, um was it she played the what's her name um one of the one of the you know the ghost hunters in the conjuring why can't i think of the name oh lorraine warren she plays lorraine warren that's where i knew her from um, so when I saw her here, I was just like, oh, hey, it's Lorraine Warren. I, I know who she is. I, I'm, oh, no, that's not true. I do remember seeing her in The Departed as well. Oh, that's a good movie. Oh, that's a great movie. Um, Speaking of... Uh, again, she wasn't in this a lot, right? She was in it a little bit. So when we when we saw her with Leif Schreiber's character and he kind of professes that he still loves her, she was kind of like, you know, that's, that's kind of sweet, but it's a little weird. Like, it's time to move on kind of a thing. She was a plot point more than a, yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, she's good though. You know, I, anytime I've seen her, she's she's pretty good. Um, who else do we have in this film, dude? I mean, it's a big freaking cast. Let's run through the, some, all kinds of some heavy hitters here, real quick, that played some background yeah. characters. We have the late Miguel Ferrer, um, turning in a great performance. The vice president of Iron in Iron Man Three. Yes, uh, he was. Uh, what was he like? A general in this? Uh, yeah, whatever that was. Uh, he was a colonel. He was basically the guy that beat on the table and said, "Knock it off." And stood in the background for the rest of the movie. Here's a little thing for you. Miguel Ferrer's breakthrough role was in 1987 film RoboCop. RoboCop. Scary. <laughs> but yeah. Um, also, George uh, Clooney's dude, second cousin, I think. What, is was. he? Yeah. Well, he's passed. He uh, died unexpectedly. Dean Stockwell. Yep. Love this dude. I will always remember him from Al, Quantum Leap. Yep. Al, Al yep. Always, always going to tell me. Yep. Heck yeah, dude. Uh, who else Ted is Levine? in this? Ted Levine. Yep, he was in plays um, the Colonel. Jonathan Demi did Silence of the Lambs, so I guess he brought some uh, some of his buddies. Um Charles Napier played General Sloan. You know him as um he was in one of those bad movies we watched recently. Oh god. What was it called? Uh, Ernest Goes to Jail. He was the warden. <laughs> nice. He was also Very, in Philadelphia. Wait, you said bad movies. Yeah. Hold on a second. No, yeah, that one was good. Uh, he was also in Dude, Falcon. Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Falcon. Yeah. We have Anthony Mackie was in this again. Like I said, I saw him. I was like, oh, hey, that's pretty awesome. Yep. He was in it. And um, oh, what's his name? The guy that played um, uh, Senator Wells, uh, Oba Bajimadi. Um, yeah. He is, is. Is he the guy that plays on Watchmen? No. Is he? No, that's Yaya. Um, what is this guy from? He was in something recently, and I can't remember. Oh, Santa Paul's too. That must be what I'm thinking of. <laughs> no, there's this other guy, um, and every time I see him, I'm like, oh, hey, it's that guy. Um, he he's he's got a, a Slovenian name. Wasn't he in Guardians? Zelchko Ivanek or something like that. I, I wish I could say it right, dude. Uh, but yeah, every time I see him, I'm like, oh, hey, it's that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy from that thing. Great documentary. Exactly. Yeah. He's not in that. Exactly. But. 
Uh, he's he's been in a few movies. So like if you if you hear him, you're like, oh, I I know that movie. Um, in did you ever see In Bruges? No, I haven't. He was in that. He was in Born Legacy, Seven Psychopaths, uh, X Men Apocalypse, Courage Under Fire. So he you know he's been in a, a few roles, dude. School Ties, Donnie Brasco. Never made it. Through um, it. you want to hear some cameos? What's that? Yeah, get so it. So we have Al Franken, uh, played yep. a reporter. Immediately we saw that as a reporter. Uh, Sidney Lament played a political pundit. I don't know where in the movie that was. Uh, he is uh, was uh, a director, producer, and screenwriter. And um, let's see here. Roy Blount Jr. Um, he was just a reporter. <laughs> Fab, Fab Five, Five Freddy. Freddy. <laughs> Get out of here, dude. I don't I don't remember it being I mean, I mean I'd have to go back and look, but I didn't wear, remember. He probably wasn't wearing those sunglasses and hat that Wikipedia shows him wearing. <laughs> Roger Corman, yeah. as you said before. Yeah, Gail King on the TV. Yeah. Uh wasn't that uh Oprah's best friend? Still is. But yeah, she's Oh on, really? Um, I thought they were on the outs, dude. I thought they were like not talking. Who knows with uh with important famous people. <laughs> a little tidbit of uh, production trivia so this was co-produced by tina sinatra the daughter of frank sinatra who starred in the original version of the manchurian candidate so um pretty this cast dude was deep definitely deep cast and and you know whoever the the casting director was whoever put this together these guys they were they knew what they were doing this was quite a cast that that really put together quite a performance oh yeah all right, let's go into the music and soundtrack of this film. So immediately, dude, music and soundtrack, it felt like it was going to be a big part of this film. But then I realized what they were doing was they were doing kind of like that 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 Hollywood trope. It's basically if you have anything that has to do with the military, you're always going to play these kinds of music, right? Like, and that's exactly what this was at the beginning. You know, we're we're in Kuwait and it's it's the Gulf War, and these guys are playing cards in the back of their Humvee, and it's just somebody's got a boombox playing, and it's all kinds of music, right? So it opens with, um, it opens with a cover of this uh, the song "Fortunate Son," which is funny because that's the song you hear all the time in all of these uh, Vietnam War movies it's always a chopper going by anti-war song and you hear (laughs) you know what i mean and this is a different version this is a cover it's a slowed down version and initially i was like who is that i I did not know who it was till i looked it up but it's it it was actually it's done by wyclef jean yeah and that was the you know what told me that was the closed captions oh get out of here dude it said wyclef jean said fortunate son by wyclef and then had little music notes on either side Okay, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Not bad, dude. Uh, but then, yeah, for for a while at the beginning there, as it keeps kind of going from scene to scene in in this uh, in in at war in the Middle East, it was doing all of these kinds of hip hop songs. Uh, you know, Wycliffe was some the of it was rock. Consultant on the movie. Yes, um, and then for the rest of the movie, we get mostly score. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple points where you hear music coming from radios, especially like when they're in the city. You would hear like snippets of songs, um, you know, different kinds of music, sometimes hip hop, sometimes rock. But almost the rest of the film is score. And for me, again, anytime I'm listening to score, we said this a million times, as long as it fits what we're watching, um, it's it 
you know, it's I'm good with it, you know. And and I thought a lot of it was done well. And I th- I do think you know even having Wyclef Jean as the as the what was it the music you know consultant, consultant yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm smart you know at the time you know he was pretty big in 2004 so to have a guy who kind of has a finger to the pulse and what's sounding good to kind of fit in throughout the other parts of the movie where score isn't needed but they want to have music you know it works yeah and, and it definitely evoked the response that you needed you know the the emotional response the tonal response um and, and it fit perfectly with you know the the score specifically the the music i mean it wasn't like a tarantino where the music had to you know, summarize the Be, scene or, or, you know, do whatever it is that Quentin Tarantino well, writes those Tarantino, scenes. his, usually Tarantino, his soundtrack is like another character in the movie. You know what I mean? It, be, it be, basically becomes like a narrator, if you will. Yeah, I mean, if he can't, he said that if he can't get the rights to a, to a, to a song, because he writes the, the movie with the song or songs mm-hmm. in that scene, he, he'll cut the scene. Wow. That's intense, dude. So what does he have to rewrite a scene with a different song in mind to fit? You know, maybe it's got to be this perfect. That's insane. I can't wait till we cover some Tarantino films. Um, but yeah, for me, the soundtrack on here works perfectly. Like I said, especially immediately when it, when we kick in with Fortunate Son and it's a military thing. I was like, OK, I see what they're doing here. But then it fits throughout. You you know, it keeps kind of changing up. And then you realize it was coming from a boombox when Leif Schreiber opens up that thing and it's just like, we're rolling out and they turn the music off. Uh, that was like a sound wave looking boombox, like the CD player flat up against. I'm like, I remember those very briefly, but it was always, I never saw one of those though. I was just like, load. what the hell is that? It was, like the, it was like a, you know, the tape deck was in the front and it popped out. This is like the CD player was in the front and popped out. Yeah. It was pretty dope, dude. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, I I don't know what else there is left to say on the, on the soundtrack. Your thoughts on the score? Just that it was very, um, it, it, it conveyed the proper tone. I mean, there's really not much, you know, it, it, it yeah. helped you feel the way that, you know, that you were supposed to feel, I, I guess. Yeah, for yeah. sure. All right, let's get into special effects. Um, there's all different kinds. Um, was there any CG? A lot of this looked almost all practical. I, I want to say that it was pretty much i mean the only thing that i can think of is if they had to blow up a building or something they might have just done that stupid let's well it's a movie so they have more budget i mean it was a six yeah 30 million dollar budget so they have yeah it was definitely all all practical a lot of the explosions the gunfire at the opening battle you know the the insurgents coming through a lot of practical effects budget was 80 so they could definitely afford to blow shit up if they needed to yeah and they did you know um I mean, they they did use some some special you know computer generated stuff when they were showing you you know the screens on uh, during the the medical procedure mm-hmm. and you have to see them put this this uh, tracker in his brain, but then let's talk about practical. You you said it earlier, mm-hmm. dude. That whole brain drilling scene, just the way the doctor describes it, it's like if you've ever had any kind of procedure where something like that had to be somewhat invasive, you know what that means, right? You're gonna feel a pressure. You're gonna hear this, and I'm like, oh. God, I can I can I can imagine what that feels like, and then it's happening, right? You you hear it, and you're just like, oh. And then we should have said this about Leif Schreiber's acting, because that close up of his eyes and those little twitches, mm-hmm. which you know you do when something hurts, but you you want to just mm, kind of hold it in. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's serviceable, God. or it's 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 painful, but it's something that you can you know you can internalize. Um, mm-hmm. he put like a little dab of some sort of like 
lidocaine or something, some sort of numbing agent on the external. Nothing for the skull that he was nothing underneath protruding and creating a hole. Yeah, that that scene was like oof, like no hard pat. Like you could, yeah, you're gonna have to brainwash me to feel. Well, that's my that's my thinking is because right then he's already programmed. He's kind of running Mm -hmm. on you know on automatic, so maybe it it dulls some of his pain senses. Uh, but yeah, dude, that was so, re- that obviously looks real. It's, it's all practical that we're looking at. They pull the drill out and he even does that little thing, right? He doesn't just pull it out. He, he spins it to. to pull it out. So it does. Yes, exactly. But like, what kind of thinking? Who's the, who's the producer on set? Who's the, the effects guy that's saying, okay, so remember you have to do this to pull it out, to make it look realistic. Think about who else is in the movie. That's like that's got to be more you know denzel's not going to be like just sit in his trailer all day and be like yeah call me when you need me <laughs> i mean he's probably not in his trailer very much anyway but even yeah. still it's like um if, I, if my if i'm in this this shit's got to be good i'm denzel it's washington look good too you know? <laughs> and let's not take it away from demi too yeah. you know that dude knows what he's doing too so uh I mean, there's lots of but yeah lots of skull drilling scenes in philadelphia <laughs> Not at all. That's not a joke of any kind other than there were no, none of those. Um, uh, what else? Um, I mean, everything, the, the, just the way they all looked with the medical procedures, those things on them mm-hmm. when he was, you know, when they shot him. You know, the only thing I always say about shooting scenes is if you want, do we want it to look as realistic? Because typically when somebody gets shot that quick, they, don't want their they, they crumble. Explode. They crumble fast, though. They don't really just stand there for a minute and then fall to the ground. You know what I mean? One guy did kind of die in a really not so normal fashion. Like he fell to his, like his eyes closed after he hit the ground. Like he's one of yeah. those like gravity weevil wobbles. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, I would like to see a, like a shoot i mean what i perceive as a shoot to kill and or like like someone being shot and killed i would like to see it be realistic i don't want to see like unless the film is fantastical and, and kill bill comes to mind you shoot somebody or you cut off a limb and they're just standing there screaming but and looking at their so, limb that might be spraying blood out like it's old faithful so you don't want robocop well i never did what you're saying i never did but you know <laughs> Do you remember the amount of fucking lead he took just just sitting there just da, 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 dancing like a marionette, dude? Oh god. Uh but this one that's not what we're seeing here. This everything I saw in this film looked super realistic, looked great. Um even even stuff like when they, you know, we keep seeing the flashbacks and Denzel's talking about how they were being told to kill this person and that mm-hmm. person. We saw Anthony Mackie's character there and his face was all beat up and that I mean the, the effects on that the makeup effects were great well and then when he was i guess he was vomiting he hit like when he was being choked out he hit the right yeah nerve and that caused some sort of you know or maybe they were you know what the, the maybe that was all ramen noodles or something i i don't know Ugh. oh and let's talk man i keep thinking we're, we keep shooting back and i and we should have said this before but in that scene when you said that it reminded me the just the the wherewithal for them to say if you want to choke him to kill him immediately you got to grab him a certain way, you know, in his trachea and just start to crush. Whereas normally you just see people just wrap their hands around someone's neck and try to squeeze yeah, as much as they can. We all know that doesn't work. <laughs> well, I've tried. Not from personal oh, no. experience, but, you know, I, I, I knew a guy. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, was there any other special effects in here? I'm, I'm missing anything practical. I don't think there were really. A- it was all a lot of the military stuff mm-hmm. that we were seeing. A lot of shooting. Anytime you see the blood packets, even when he shot, you know, well, those were blade uh, jobs. Senator and the mom at the end. Those were blade jobs. <laughs> Wearing crimson masks over yeah. here. Uh, yeah, but no. Overall, I thought you know very well. The, 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 all the effects were done very well, very believable. Nothing to take me out of the movie at yeah, all. Yeah, and I think if that if they did, it would have been like, all right, this movie is just a joke at this point, and it's supposed to be a thriller, not a comedy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here we go. It's a um, neo noir psychological political thriller. Ooh, that's um, that's a neo noir. That's different. I could see that though. I could see that. Yeah. All right, dude, let's get into the end of it here. So what are your thoughts in overall in terms of like, you know, any favorite scenes, any things that were parts that were memorable to you? I think we started getting into that because, again, for me, like just the fact that, you know, the drilling of the skull and they, they took care to make it look realistic, mm-hmm. the the way he chokes him out, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that was great. You know, honestly, like the movie is so dense that it almost requires a second viewing unless I took notes the first time, which... I don't that. Oh yeah. I don't either because I want to go with my feeling because I, yeah. And I want to talk about it like based on what I saw and felt it's the way we did it back in the day, Mm -hmm. dude, you went to movies and you talked about it with your friends. You didn't be like, all right, let me pull out my notes. This is what you talk about it on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're not getting paid for this. Come on. No, hell no. When they start paying us, we'll write notes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll even even publish them (laughs) on the show online. We'll put them in the show description. So pay us. So perfect scans of our, our notebook pages. All you need is a rocket book, Chris. I'll tell you about that. Doodles later. and all. Yeah. I'll t- <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, ooh, never mind. Um, so <laughs> yeah. uh, the I mean, just, uh, just the whole the whole everything. Like, I think the movie is like one great big long scene of you know yeah the 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 drilling of the the skull you know and that whole part leading up to it where they're like go to your bedroom closet walk through the wall all right hey oh yeah hey kool-aid man no no there's dudes back yeah. there that just undo the wall like immediately not like see that? what the sh- what the shit was set up there ahead of time like where are they by the mm-hmm. way too isn't that a hotel yeah. so what are they just like building bases inside of a hotel <laughs> who knows man maybe manchurian global owns that hotel ah uh, maybe that could be um how about that too let's talk about when they you know when they get set off when they become programmed the the code mm-hmm. word whenever they say it the, the beauty behind how do you make that change okay well let's do their have their faces kind of do this weird glazed over thing but then let's also raise the white right let's make everything super bright and that was that was very well done you, uh, that was you knew exactly that what was going to happen the second you know that they're they're along for the ride too no matter what that ride might be they're they don't yeah. have a choice Exactly. Um, when uh, when when John Voight's character's paddling, mm-hmm. dude, and then you see you see Leif Schreiber on all the way in the distance, just kind of waving like, hey, hey, over here. "Hey, remember me?" And it's done this in this kind of almost weird nightmarish dream mm-hmm. feel to it, right? That like, was that was like kind was of. Slow-mo. I mean, that stands out. A little, little yeah. slow mo, but not quite. Because you knew it wasn't be good, and then it becomes bizarre because he just starts walking into the water in full suit, right? And Voight's like, "What are you doing?" Your because it's like, sweat. "Wow, like that's this his is concern. crazy." Like you're gonna get your clothes yeah. wet. Well, that he's already in the water. Yeah. You know. As that was going down, I was like, "Oh shit, this isn't good. Nope, this isn't good." Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, "Oh no!" And she's gonna watch it happen too. <laughs> like that was crazy. She's dude. eventually gonna get. A, she's gonna get a front row seat at some point. 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just there wasn't really like a um, like a memorable scene aside from like like you said those those very uh, very brief encounters in in the um, what, what do you want to call it in the uh, the mind control bay in that yeah. workshop area um, where Den you know all of them where Denzel's running and you see the movie theater and you see mm-hmm. you know they're being programmed to say the exact same thing. Now that I think about it, the, oh. and the image they're being shown as to what happened is actually an animation. Yeah. Like somebody animated that for them to, so it, it, to it take was in. Insane, dude. It was creepy. It was like a scanner darkly. Nice. Mm. Nice callback, yeah. folks. But uh, I think all of that was interesting. And, and when they started to do the overlay of one person saying it in one scene and another person finishing the sentence, I guess now that I say that, a lot of those, a lot of those things, I mean, Jeffrey Wright, the few scenes he was in and where Denzel yeah. throws Liev Schreiber down, bends him over the table quite literally uh, and bites his oh, back yeah. in a, in a non-sexual way. Yeah. That was so messed up, dude. And you could tell too, he was like, he had that little thing in his mouth the whole time. Well, and you knew what he was going to do because he had just mm-hmm. taken the pocket knife. Another scene. Now that I say these, uh, where he takes the pocket knife to his own back, which you're like, Ooh, I, I need a band aid. You know, I've cut myself before and uh, unintentionally, and I know how much it hurts. So, you're not mentally. You you can never prepare to punch yourself in the face like uh, like Jack does to, uh, you know, when, <laughs> yeah, when you see exactly. spoiler alert when you see that final scene when he's fighting himself in uh, in yeah. Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of the knife, can you really bust open a door with a a little pocket knife, dude? Did you see that apartment in that sl- in that slum? I guess it's crap, yeah. Well, it's a crap. Of, that's not a. That's what. Is, what are those locks that are like the best locks? Uh, uh, Medco. Is that what yeah, it is? Wasn't it called Sh- Schlag? Oh, Schlag? Schlag is a brand. Schlag? Medco is a yeah, yeah. is another brand, but you're not allowed to copy the keys. Like it is illegal to copy those Medco keys. Really, interesting. Yeah. Well, it's not those kinds of locks. Obviously, not in that slumlord house. No, those were like from the seventies. Apartment. They didn't. They didn't um, they didn't have uh, non-gold colored doorknob paint technology Plating. at that time. No, and, and you ever hear of someone trying to break in using a credit card? Yeah. It's the same idea. It's basically the door frame. Well, I always thought that was no way that would really ever happen. Not anymore because door frame technology did, huh? has been, you know, where they put another piece of wood in the door frame because all you really need is the door and the frame to be perfectly in line. Mm-hmm. And then you can you slide, slide it, you know, slide the card right up through the center. And it, it okay. you know, how the how the latch that comes out, when you turn the handle, yeah. it goes back inside. It says peekaboo. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's angled. So it's uh, angled from the so top down. So you push down, it back. And you just basically, you just, the release is on the bottom. So you just swipe the card up and it will, it will release it. I want to know, like, people who were, like, door manufacturers at the time. The first time they found out people were just getting and they're like, oh, shit. Back to the drawing the board, door, guys. the way that the frame is designed. Yeah. So it's not the door's fault. All right, man. Let's get into uh let's get into the rating. What did we say we're gonna rate this on out of five bottles of no dos. Five bottles of no dos. Um you wanna go first? Sure. Do it up. So this movie has uh, a dense plot, but it's I, I don't think there's too much in it, too much fluff or too much that's unnecessary. Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot going on, but there's a lot of very talented, very um, uh, even at the time, very um, 
veteran actors uh, that have uh, that that are able to pull this off very well. Um, I mean, we went through the list of them, even down to the you know the the supporting and the the uh, cameo um, folks are actors. Um, some are, some aren't. Uh, they do a very, very good job of making of of expressing, or, and or looking the part of, you know, what they're trying to be. Like, um, uh, for example, Al Franken looks like a politician. I was just going to say that, too, because he was a reporter in the film, mm-hmm. right? And as a reporter, a lot of times you'll see these cameos and the reporters, the, whatever they're doing, they seem out of, like, it, it doesn't seem right. It was like, oh, they just got this person to play this in this movie, whereas he really feels like he was one of these talking head reporters for, like, a CNN type of a mm-hmm. channel. Well, he was on the Today Show for a while. No, that was Gene Shalit. Or was it Al Franken, too? Was he? Gene Shalit was. They look a little bit alike. Sometimes they get mixed up, up here in my head. Um, but uh, I mean, you also look at Roger Corman; looks kind of like a pushover because he's an old man. In you know, at the time of this movie, uh, he looks a little bit like a skinny and frail Phil Donahue. Mm-hmm. You know, and he does, just, yeah. And he ha- looks like he has no backbone because he's not the number one. He doesn't have to make all these decisions. He's just like, oh yeah, sure, whatever your agenda is, I'll do it, and. That bends very well to, uh, to the to the agenda of Meryl Streep's character. So all of these different things related to the actors and actresses, and the story are very sound. The audio is very sound. It's it's very um, very uh, accurate to the way that it wants you to feel when you watch this movie, and it does draw you in a little bit as well. Um, not quite a sense of mystery, but like maybe a little bit of foreshadowing, especially with hey, there's a giant white glow above me. We know what we're going to do next. It's whatever the hell mm-hmm. that person wants us to do. Um, you know, and, and the, the effects being practical, The um, I think they did a good job of servicing the military in the movie and, um, you know, being very respectful and reverential because we were in the middle of a war at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and also the, you know, the subtleties in the movie as well, at, like the, the, the ramen, the no-dos, uh, as well as, you know, just the ongoing um, um, references that are made in pop culture uh, that we briefly touched on. All of that, I think, makes this movie, first of all, it's solid. Uh, second of all, um, I mean, I would definitely rewatch this. Uh, it is streaming on Showtime, whatever the heck their streaming thing is. So I'm guessing it's mm-hmm. also on the Showtime TV channel or on demand on your local local cable provider but it, it at the very least it's on show uh showtime anytime i think is what it's called that's how i watched it and uh so i think this movie um being you know all those said i don't really know that i found anything wrong with the movie uh and it because it was so engaging and because it was very well acted and the cast of characters notwithstanding um oh wait that doesn't that's not what that sentence means uh, the cast of characters <laughs> the, the yeah. actors portraying these characters um, did a very great job, a very good job, uh, a, a very believable job. I, I have to give this a five. I'm with you. I'm with you. This is definitely five bottles and no dose for me as well. For what you said, I mean, we have uh, a, almost a dream team for a cast. And and like I said, for each of them to play the role, it's almost like they're all, you, 
perfect for the roles they played. It would be hard to think to myself, you know who could have played this role better? Because it felt like this this was just, I mean, and again, I've never seen this. I had never seen it before. Um, so, you know, great, great film, straight plot. Like you said, it's, it's dense because there are different layers, but it's not layers that where they're all over the place like you're trying to keep track of three different things happening these things all weave together so as you're learning about layer one layer two starts to come in and you're like oh wow this is a big piece new and then here comes three and you're like oh this is you know there's more to this um you know again i would have loved for them to just explain it a little bit more but that's just me being you know whatever and 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 you could still take it for for like watch that end, and a lot of people will still infer the fact that this is what happened, right? They're they're going to come to that kind of conclusion. For me, sometimes I do want the the filmmakers to say, "So sit down, we're going to explain to you that this is what happened." But you know that doesn't take away from how good this movie was. I just remember finishing it, going, "Wow, how did I never watch that back then?" Do you know what I mean? I mean, I was a fan of Denzel. I've seen a lot of his films back then. Um, and I was a fan of his during that run too. Man on Fire, John Q, all of those movies. Uh, Training Day, phenomenal performance. So I don't know why I didn't check out Manchurian Candidate, but um, man, I'm glad we picked it for this one because it just, yeah, this one blows me away. You know, when you the the comment you made about the the military, what I like about it is that it wasn't it wasn't glamorized and Hollywoodized. This wasn't a Michael Bay military, oh, right? Man. With swooping shots and, and big, you know, scenes and let's bring the camera down and pan across there. And, and Hey, here's the crane shot. Check this out. Like we didn't get these, this nonsense kind of like, um, you know, kind of comic book superhero fied version of our military. This was, these are our guys. They're sitting there. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And that was one of the things at the beginning, right? It was like, we need to go this way. And the other guy's like, well, there's insurgents here, here, and here. And you got you guys in the back just trying to like pass some time. They're really just trying to, you know, get their minds off of what's sitting on the outside of their vehicle. Um, and then you get Lee Schreiber, who's just basically, like basically, you know, he's dealing with Gulf War syndrome. He definitely is. He's got a lot of stuff he's dealing with in terms of stress. Um, so it it wasn't it it was it was done in a very respectful way and done in, in a way that uh, again again it wasn't a Michael Bay thing, which is I'm very happy for. Um, but again, you know everything fit. The music that played at that time was, worked well. Uh, the performances were good. It, it, it was one of these kinds of movies that. Every, I had to pause it a few times. I just paused it once to go to the bathroom, pause it once for Aaron to, you know, get the dog situated and then quickly make I made breakfast. But during those times, it was like I can't wait to get I gotta go back and hit play and see what happens next because it was it just had me hooked. So yeah, I agree, dude. This one's a definite five for me. Five bottles and no dose. Yeah, it's I, I don't so, I don't think you can even argue that point that it's not, you know, a no. You, effectively a unless you're going to find somebody who's just a hater. They're just like, I don't like Denzel Washington, so I'll never watch that. Well, and, and you know, to your point where you said, I don't know why I didn't watch this at the time. Different people come to, diff- come to different movies at different times or different actors. That's true. You know, and, you know, it's no different than, than music where, you know, all the time you hear kids are like, oh, the Beatles are the best. I just, I just, have you heard this song? It's by this band called the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, and it's B E A T L E S because music You're has right. beats in it. They're like, oh, "How do you know that?" I'm like, "Because they've not Mind been a band blown. for 55 years, and I'm older than you, probably." <laughs> no, you're so right, dude. Uh, but yeah, what a great film! If if you have for if any reason any of our listeners have not watched this film, but they decided to listen to us talk about it first, 
Uh, even if we spoiled a lot of it for you, it's still, like I said, you're going to want to see this because I already know the movie and I'm, I'd watch it again right now. I really would. It was that well, good. Well, we don't talk about every single aspect of the movie either. So no, it's, no. you know, there's still there's plenty a lot to in there to get own. into. Definitely. So, all right, let's move on. Next week. Oh, wow. Next, next week. week there's a, uh, a big event next week that coincides with what is. we're doing. They're, uh, we're, uh, what, what do you call it? It's called inauguration, right? I was going to say they're vote electing, but that's already been done. There's a, there's a president elect, and that president elect is getting inaugurated. So we decided we're going to do, uh, do a summary, if you will, <laughs> of the past four years. We're going to bundle it into a two hour window, and that window is called idiocracy. You know, I, I think there's been some kind of mistake because the test I took was real, real easy. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Okay? Okay, even if that were true, I can't be the Secretary of the Interior. I don't even know what it is. You better fart that up. Sit down. President Camacho. Hey, 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 yo, um, I gotta take care of some business, baby. So I need y'all to wait outside. Dwayne Elizondo hey. Camacho, five-time okay. Ultimate okay, Smackdown yo. champion, porn superstar, and President of the United States, had called a special summit with the smartest man in the world. So you smart, huh? I've yeah. never seen this. Are you serious? I have never seen this movie. So I am I am stoked to see it because I remember wanting to see it when it had come out. And I mean, who knows whatever life was like at that time. And then maybe I never got it on DVD or, or got a chance to rent it. Or maybe I did and then just never got around to it. But this is definitely a movie I do want to see. Uh, I am a fan of Mike Judge, so... This is this is I'm glad this is on the list and it's it's coming at a perfect time. Well, and you know how ahead of his time Mike Judge is. Oh I mean, yeah, Beavis yeah. and Butthead, Office Space. I can't wait to see Silicon this, Valley is is pretty much. I mean, it's I think it's ended by now, but the at least the first three or four seasons were like top notch, and I, I haven't watched the fifth season yet. That's why I say that. And the um, dude, King of the Hill, King of the yeah, Hill is a classic. King of the Hill is great. You know, uh, propane. Who doesn't love propane? <laughs> uh, but so yeah dude idiocracy i'm looking forward to yeah, this i think it will be a good summation to uh as i said to the last four years and uh um nothing beats having T- terry cruz the first black president <laughs> oh is that what's in this well he's oh he's, he's, the fir- he's a president he's the president this, this could be and, great and um i will just i will i will leave you with this spoiler chris at one point he's in addressing congress out of nowhere, he picks up a machine gun and just starts shooting it in the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. I cannot wait, dude. I cannot wait. All right, guys, listen. Thanks so much for listening to our uh, our episode of Silence Your Phones. Uh, we very much appreciate all your support. Make sure you head over to BICBP-radio.com and check out a lot of the other shows on the network. Show them some love. Give them some of the support as well. Um other than that, I've got nothing else to say. I'm about to get out of here. Sean, what do you got to tell the people before we head out? Continue to wear your mask. Be safe. The end is hopefully in sight, but we have to stay vigilant until then. So mask up, stay safe, be smart, use logic, borrow someone else's if you don't have it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Boom, boom, boom. And it is now time to unsilence your phones.